Welcome to the Pool Nation podcast, where it's all pool talk. And we ain't talking about netting and jetting or splashing and dashing. We're talking about becoming a nation of pool pros. We talk about the latest products, trends, and training in the pool industry. Now let's welcome your host with over a decade of industry insider experience and still the reigning champion of Marco Polo, Edgar De Jesus, and his co-host, John J.J. Flawless, the fastest netter in the West, and Zach the Pool Boy Nicholas. Welcome, everyone, to the Pool Nation Live podcast with myself, your host, Edgar DeJesus. And yes, I am the reigning champion of Marco Polo, along with John J.J. Flawless, the fastest netter in the West, and the famous Zach, the pool boy, Nicholas. Today, with our nation of pool pros, we're talking to Javier Payan from Payan Pool Service out in the San Diego, California area. And we're going to talk about his journey in the pool industry and what it takes to service over 600 pools per week. We will do a deep dive into his business philosophy, his focus on teamwork, and customer-first service approach. We will talk about some of the challenges in the industry and how he has adjusted to continue to strive in these crazy times. I want to welcome everyone to our live podcast, the podcast where it's all pool talk, and we ain't talking about netting and jetting or splashing and dashing. We're talking about becoming a nation of pool pros. And yes, we will talk about the latest products, trends, and training in the pool industry. But before we get started today, I want to thank our sponsors for this podcast, The Ultimate Pool Tools the SPPA and the poolmanuniversity.com. We want to thank them for their continued support. Zach, good morning. Good morning, everybody. I hope everyone has had a good week. I got to say, it's been kind of weird because I feel like I haven't talked to you guys in a really long time. You know, it's been, it's definitely been a crazy week. Yeah. And we kind of haven't connected this week and it just feels weird because we're always talking all the time. And when we don't do that, it it really kind of feels weird. That's true. I just noticed that. Um, <laughs> I miss you guys. I know. <laughs> My phone is usually, I mean, it's constantly going bing, 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 you know, from, from all the notifications that, you know, from us texting back and forth and, and messages. And I have a different notification when it comes from, from our little thread that we have. So Uh-oh. I haven't, I haven't heard it very, uh, I haven't heard it lately. So, yeah. Can I ask what that is? Uh, if it's if it's a uh, age appropriate, this is a, <laughs> this isn't a uh, R rated podcast. It's not okay. Got it. So we can't share. <laughs> <laughs> so John, good morning. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Javier. Thanks for jumping on with us. You know, I was thinking, I was like, I was kind of like a little bit of a chipper mood, and this morning, and you know, we kind of talked about it when we got on our call a little bit before the podcast. And everything was going great, and you know, I got up early, got some things done. was in a was in the garage doing some things, moving some things around, getting ready for the day, and um, kind of got my blood flowing, so everything was kind of good. And I'm in here, ready to make things happen. And then all of a sudden, I go to print my notes for the podcast today, and sure as hell, I walk over there, and all my papers are just all over the floor, right? And I have this pet peeve, and I know this has nothing to do with what we're talking about here, but is top of mind right now and i need everybody to understand my frustration i have four wonderful kids and i can't get them to brush their damn teeth but for some reason they always you know that little drawer right on the on the printer 
But for some reason, they they manage to close that son of a every single time. So when I go to print, all my papers go flying every single time. And I know it's not mama because I've had a conversation with her and she doesn't do it either. So I know it's one of the knuckleheads that are doing it. And I'm just trying to figure out who's doing it. So that's kind of my morning. Normally, John, in the morning, he's kind of like like mellow, slow to kind of start. But today has been even on the on the pre-call that we did. It was like, man, he's like off the deep end today. Yeah, I'm, is that printer? I'm telling you, is it, that is it just the printer? Are you sure? Uh, I don't know. Javier, good morning. How you doing? Hey, good morning, guys. Nice to uh, listen to this bromance going on here. I know. Javier's like, going, what the hell did I jump on to right now? He's like, what, is this about pools or what are these? Are you guys having wine and candles right now? Hey, hey, John, just fast forward in the future when the kids are all grown up, how you're going to walk downstairs like, damn it, there's no paper all over the floor. What the hell? Yeah, I know. know. I'm already feeling that right now. My daughter just turned 18. She just graduated and she's ready to run out the door. So trust me. Edgar, your daughter just graduated too, right? You know, here's the thing with my daughter. So I'm kind of, I try to be kind of realistic and I'm like, ah, she's going to move out. It's time for her to move. I'm okay with it daddy's girl it, it's what needs to happen blah blah so i work myself up i'm like i'm, I'm good i'm good it's, it's ready for it she goes to california for nine days and every day i'm texting her when are you coming home when are you coming home i can't do this I, you need to come home i can't do this and so finally you know she comes home tonight i gotta pick her up at 7 50 and i finally sent her a message yesterday and i'm like okay just to give you a heads up i thought i was ready for this but obviously in the practice it's not working so come august <laughs> when you go to college this isn't going to work for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, you got Zach and John to get you through. Hey, um, uh, I was going to just uh, throw myself in there. I'm, I'm joining the uh, 18 year old daughter club here. My daughter um, uh, graduates on Tuesday. So nice. Uh, yeah, so congratulations. So I don't have any papers all over the floor right now and I'm kind of missing it. <laughs> now, is she your, your, your oldest? No, I've got uh, two daughters and uh, I just uh, recently got married. Well, second marriage here in October uh, to my wife, Valerie, and she has three daughters. So now there's five. So never a dull moment. And it, it's all five girls? Yes. Oh, wow. Now, let me ask you a question. Guys, let's see how he answers this question. How long have you been married? Seven months. <laughs> okay. He, 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 uh, we we, we, we kind of try to figure out how analytical you are by telling us how long you've been married. So okay. we just wanted, wanted to make sure that you didn't say I was married for 10 years before and seven months now, because that wouldn't, wouldn't fare well for you. So I pass the test? <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. So anyways, <clears throat> so guys, today we're talking to Javier from Payan Pools out in San Diego, and I'm super excited about it. Before we do that, I want to talk about something really quick. John, I want to talk about that car that you bought your daughter because that thing is sick. Oh, God, tell me about it. Right. So not not in that way, but my. Everything puckers when she just the thought of her going in that car and driving off. But <sighs> it's been her dream car, you know, and I'm just like, oh, my God, I'm like so worried. But. You know, she's such a good girl and she's done. I mean, she's had amazing grades for all the school. She never gets in trouble. She's just been a blessing. You know, she's she wants to go to school to become a nurse and she works. She's been working hard ever since uh, she became like 16 and a half. 
she's just an all-around all-star. So uh, she really wanted a Mustang and she wanted to get one. And she thought when she turned 18, she was going to be able to go buy one. And I, we sat down and we kind of went through all the numbers and the math and said, hey, look, does this make sense? You know, are you going to be able to afford this? You know, think of insurance, think of the car, how much money you make right now. You want to move out and this kind of stuff. You're you're negative like a thousand bucks a month. How how are you going to make this work? So and it was kind of like a, it kind of hit home with her and she was kind of like a little bit bummed. And, you know, mama and I talked and figured out and said, well, hey, I'm thinking business wise, her birthday's in June. And I'm like, well, shit, graduation, 18th graduation is a big one. And then her 18th birthday is a big one. I go, well, I'm going to get away with getting a gift for both of them so that I can do it that way. And then we went and got her the Mustang and she's happy as hell. And uh, she deserves every, every bit of it. And it's going to be fun. And I think, you know, what I'm looking forward to too, and this is a secret, I haven't told mama this, but her and I, we have a good respect. Our family is more, you know, dad is the tough love guy. Mom is the best friend and, uh, you know, everybody loves mama. But she's kind of always, always been kind of afraid to, to approach me because she's real emotional and she thinks that, you know, that I'm going to be just tough on her. Or I'm always like trying to guide her and show her the right way. And, and she's really emotional. So we sometimes don't mix, but she's really digging the car and she wants to put a bunch of upgrades and this kind of stuff. And I kind of, I like doing all that stuff too. And I'm, you know, I'm obviously, well, I think I'm good with my hands, but I can get away with a wrench and get some stuff done obviously. And uh, I dig cars. So she wants to buy all the stuff, like put an exhaust in and, do this for her turbo and blah 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 so i'm looking forward to spending the time doing that with her so i think it's for selfish reasons i might have bought that for me too now guys for you that guys that are out there and you're listening go to the instagram page and search mama.flawless and look at that car that thing is just john that thing is is sweet that thing is is amazing so i i love everything about it and the fact that you put the bow on it and had it there it was even better I'm assuming you're very popular right now. Well, I think I am, you know, at least for a week. I hope I bought myself a week worth of, uh, hi, dad. I love you, dad, but we'll see how it goes. So far, it's going well. Gotcha. So, uh, Zach, your next one is coming up. So start saving because I think you're going to have to up John on that one. Yeah, I got a while though. I'm, I'm good for a little while. <laughs> you have a good six years left before you got to do the car and yeah. at least eight till she graduates. Right. So. All right, guys, listen, today's shout out goes out to Sleep Pool Cleaning. Lee felt that uh, Greg sent me a message and asked me to reach out to him. So I did yesterday and he is out of Corpus Christi, Zach, Texas, baby. So Lee, big shout out. I hope you're doing good and killing it out there. Welcome to the Nation of Pool Pros, guys. He is kind of new into the industry. So he was kind of reaching out. Great to talk to him. And then I have one more shout out that I wanted to today. And I know you're listening. This one goes out to Horn Family Pools. Jeanette, big shout out to you. I know you were listening last week. Guys, last week, she's listening while she's working. She had cleaned a pool that was green. And then she had to clear out the lines. And when she did, everything from the lines just completely spit back out into the pool. And she had to clean the pool again. And all of this while she was listening to the podcast and she was typing as she was listening as to what was going out. So big shout out to you for being a loyal listener and being a part of the Pool Nation family. And I'm going to say it, John, normally I don't, but for being a badass pool girl out there in our industry. So big shout out to you, Jeanette. Those are our shout outs for today. Guys, before we get started, want to talk really quick about our next training, and that's going to be on the 26th of June, and that's for the financial side of our industry. 
And what we'll cover is we'll talk about five metrics that help you understand how well your business is doing financially. We kind of go through the different business types. We talk about progressive business metrics that allow you to see current data so you can adjust your business needs as you're operating. We talk about common reasons why small businesses fail. We go through insurance, billing, how to set up your billing. You do a profit and loss. You, we actually go and do a profit and loss run with you. And by the time that you're done with the training, you're going to know exactly how well your business is doing financially, how much you make from the service side, how much from the repair side. So that's going to be June 26. We're not going to do another one for a couple months because everybody's just so busy into the summer thing. So we'll have one probably in August out there. All right, guys, Javier, before we get started today, I do want to thank Steve for introducing us. Guys, Steve is with the International Pool and Spa Expo that we're going to attend in November. And he's been amazing with us. And he connected Javier and I together. And Javier, are you going to go to the show? Yes, I will be there. This is a part, guy, John, Zach, that I love about our industry is, is the people that we get to meet and connect and the stories that we get to hear along the way. So John and Zach, when I reached out to Javier, we hit it off and we talked probably like two hours. And as soon as he started to share his story, I knew we needed to have him come on to the podcast and share his story and his journey. And, and most of all, his business philosophy. I think it's great to be able to listen to that. The one thing that I think is important is that we always talk about business and it, not just the business, but the stories out there that have gone on, that the, the business guys that have gone on from one pullers to companies because it can be done. And even in markets that others say that it can't be done because there's too much $75 pool guys or people with low rates. But yet here we are connecting with some of these business guys that are thriving in that market. Javier, I want to get the listeners to hear your story and your journey and to get to where you are today. So I want to share your story and your business strategies. You know, let's get started with this podcast today and kind of hear your story. Edgar, sure. um, Edgar yeah. I, I want to ask the first question. Javier, how many pools do you currently have on route and uh, service every week? Hey, uh, I wanted to squeeze the first question if I could. Did you guys go with that? Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. All right. So. Uh, you guys make some pretty bold claims, and we've got the reigning champ of Marco Polo. Oh. Okay, you got that. We got the pool boy. Okay, I get that too. But the fastest netter in the West. So, so John, when when you go to like the counter, do you ever like see have some guy at the other end of the counter, kind of like locking eyes with you? They used to making that claim. I know better now. They used to. They know better now. I'm known. Bro, okay. I can I walk over to any distribution here in the valley right here and they know. They they immediately as soon as they see me, they put their eyes down. Do, do you have I, your net like on on your hip? Yep, and hands on the counter so they know that they're not trying to draw on me. You know what I mean? Okay. So I, I, I'm I'm glad we got that out of the way. Thank right, you no, for you clarifying. See, look, you you got it. It's exactly right. it. Before it was a challenge. Now it's like not uh Eyes down, hands on the counter. What can we do? Hey, if, if you're going to make those claims, you got to back it up, right? Yes, sir. And and I and I think uh, um, Edgar, I think you're pretty safe with that one there. <laughs> yeah, you know it, it's funny because now now my kids think it's funny, so we'll go to a store and they'll start yelling from one corner of the store, Marco, Marco, and they just they just think it's funny. <laughs> oh, that's classic. So, John, yeah, we do uh, about 630 pulls a week right now, and uh, mostly residential. And back in the day, we were mostly commercial. I was probably about 80% commercial um, when I started my business. And for a lot of reasons, we kind of made the shift. We'll go into all that stuff later. But we're about 630 right now. 
That's it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey man. So we have on the business side our service, the pool cleaning side, that makes up about fifty percent of our total revenue. We have a pretty strong repair department. So the other half of the business is repairs. So in the service department, we have about ten people in there, and that involves two managers. We have like eight full-time route guys that that's all they do is they do pool routes. And then we've got the two managers that also can jump in it any moment. And right now, I think they're each doing about a day and a half's worth of pools right now. We're bringing someone on board this um, month, I'm told. So that should alleviate them a little bit so they can, you know, do their management stuff. And, uh, but yeah, that's, uh, that keeps pretty, keeps us pretty busy. And then the repair side, we have uh, two dispatchers and we've got two, what I'm going to call master technicians. And these are the guys that you're not going to throw anything at them that they haven't seen before. And uh, they just are freaking animals. I've got three guys that are in kind of like our kind of like hybrids. They'll do filter cleanings, coping installations, tile repairs, acid washes, deck seals, that type of stuff. So those guys are are knocking that stuff out. And then I've got uh, one of our new hires this year is just a dedicated um, filter technician. So we've outfitted him in a van where he has he calls it the store. We're loaded up with manifolds and grids and cartridges and all the nuts and bolts and all the little things you need for filter cleans. And all he does is go around cleaning filters and salt cells every day. Also, how many, how many filters do you give them per day? About five. That's what we try to do. And then how often do you do filters for, for your customers? About um, Typically twice a year minimum. And then we have some, like some of the commercials might be done four times a year or um, some of the residential pools get more leaves and that type of stuff, maybe three times a year. So it's all depending on, on the, the pool environment. So I want to ask, um, as far as the maintenance goes, on average, how many pools does each maintenance tech service per day? They're, they're about 13, 14 pools a day is kind of the average. We kind of learned that anything more than that, you know, the quality goes down. We used to um, cap them at 12, and that was like the thing, you know, more than 12. And then we're looking at the GPS reports, like these sons of guns are they're getting done in six hours. Like, what the heck? And they're doing a good job, too, because, you know, like, as I say, you know, it's easier to clean a clean pool than it's a dirty pool. So if they're doing their jobs, you know, and they're hustling, you know, they, they can get through the day pretty well. So we kind of bumped it up a little bit, but uh, that's kind of our average right now. What does your office management look like? I pulled out an org chart because we had a, a lot of new things we're doing this year. So one of the, the new things we're doing is we have my wife just joined our company last November and she's uh, assuming the role as office manager. And um, she brings 17 years of office management experience. So it's like, you know, like we landed an all-star here. And in the past uh, with different office managers we've had, they just, they did the job, but it just wasn't like all-star caliber. And so now um, that we've got her in that role, what I find is I just kind of have to stay out of the way. And she's going in there just busting ass. You need to change this. This is not right. We need to change this process. All right, we'll go for it. And honestly, God, just staying out of the way. So she runs the office. And and again, typically on a typical day when everything's running, I've got uh, five people in the office. I've got the office manager, the two repair dispatchers, and the two service department managers. And the service department managers, like when somebody calls, we really do three things. We do service repairs and like remodel type work. And so, for example, if a call comes in and it's some type of service related thing or a service tech calling in because you need some support, it goes right to those two guys. And they handle basically their jobs, handle everything. And so that I don't have to, you know, hear or deal with it. 
And then on the repair side, that is a man, that is like the, the busiest nerve center at the office. So the calls are coming in, they're, they're sorting through calls, scheduling guys, calling appointments, and it is just, it is just rock and roll out there. And when it uh, goes to a remodel stuff, then uh, my wife, Valerie, she, she'll handle those calls and screen those and, and kind of pick and choose what we want to deal with and kind of manage my schedule from that, that standpoint. And what I mean by that is our main focus is service and repair. That's, that's what we're here to do. We don't build pools. We don't do any of that stuff. And when we do like remodel type work, it's kind of like, hey, somebody, if one of our customers needs some type of remodel work, gladly we'll get involved because really there's a high probability we're going to get that job versus, you know, somebody calling that just found us online somehow. Hey, I want a price to replaster my pool. Now we don't do that, but here's three companies that will help you out. And really we probably turn away more work than we can take on every day because we don't want to work for everybody. So we're in a position where just with what we have, like if we just turn the phone off, we have enough work for everybody to do 12 months out of the year. So we don't really, we're not dependent on that new business. So when those calls come in for the remodel type stuff, you know, that, that goes through like a big sifting process. So Javier, what type of chlorine do you guys use? So we're primarily liquid and, you know, uh, liquid acid and uh, chlorine. And in the summertime, we kind of have to supplement that with tabs. So that's kind of how we normally run. And the commercial stuff, of course, the, the commercial spas, that's all, you know, tablet stuff or heated pools. We'll have some tablets year round. But for the most part, the climate's pretty mellow in San Diego, with the exception of like, you know, July and August and September. So we can use liquid on a regular basis and get through it. Of course, some pools might need a floater in there or something like that. But um, that's really what we do. Now, this year is going to be, well, not going to be. I promise you, this is going to be a ass busting crazy year. So we're um, looking into Cal Hypo right now, both the tabs and the dry. I just placed an order in this morning to get some Cal Hypo in bulk because my guys are telling me that when they go to dis- distribution that they're getting rationed. And so we were having a conversation last week. Now, keep in mind, we've never used Cal Hypo. I was quite quietly been afraid of it because I heard some story 35 years ago that some guy <laughs> threw a cigarette <laughs> in the back of a a truck where I had Cal Hypo, the truck caught fire in front of a 7-Eleven. I go, yeah, I don't think I want to use that stuff. So quite frankly, I've never used it. I know that a lot of people use it. And so we have to kind of get over that fear right now. I was talking to my service department last week and I said, look, imagine we roll up to the supply house in August and there's no bleach. What are we going to do? All of a sudden, that Cal Hypo starts looking pretty attractive, you know, if you have it. And uh, again, like I said, we never used it before, but this is a year like no other. I mean, we thought 2020 was nuts. This is way more nuts. Javier, I have a question to kind of follow up on that. We've looked at, you know, we're primarily tabs here in our market. We've looked at using liquid and we've looked at using the Cal Hypo tabs. Now, when I looked at the Cal Hypo tabs, one of my roadblocks was how are we going to, you know, are we going to put feeders in for all of these? Are we just going to use them as skimmer tabs? Uh, I know some of them are the skimmer tabs. So what, what way are you guys using? Are you requiring a feeder or are you going to be using them as skimmer tabs? We haven't got them yet. You know, and again, most of my time right now is sourcing things and trying to dust off the crystal ball and try to see what's coming down the pike. And so literally, I have not done as much planning ever as I've had this year, just out of necessity. And so we had the rep from Segura come by a couple times last year. Hey, we got these great Cal Hypo tabs. Hey, that's great. Get out of here. You know, we don't use Cal Hypo. 
And uh, so I called him up with hat in hand. Hey, um, tell me more about this stuff. And from what I understand, they've got a great raw material supply. But what they didn't have was buckets. So I said, um, if you place an order today, we can get you some stuff in July, which is great because I think we're pretty loaded up for on tabs to get us through July. And so now I'm thinking, well, how are we going to get through August, September? If we roll up and there's no liquid on the dock, what do we do? I mean, you have to start asking yourself these questions now. Again, we've never used Cal Hypo, but we're looking at using them as a kind of an emergency 2021 August throw them in the scammer. Let's keep going, you know, because we know how busy things are going to be in August. We're just quite frankly not going to have the resources to go buy, you know, 600 tab feeders to go put them in. It's going to be like, I just need to get through this month. And so now in the long term, if this looks like it's a big issue, then we kind of have the winner to kind of retool or maybe the commercial accounts get the tab feeders. But the biggest part, the guys from Segura said, hey, we're going to be coming down to California in uh, June. We'd be happy to train your guys. It's, it's a date. Come on down and we'll get all guys together. Because again, you know, my reservations was the safety of it. And uh, I know plenty of people that use it that are happy with it. But again, it's it, everyone has to be on the same page. Like we all know, do not throw this thing where a trichlor tab was. Absolutely not. I think with the tablet, you really do have to take some extra precautionary steps because it's a lot easier to mistakenly you know, throw that in the wrong place. Um, whereas with in our market, CalHypo is just known that you're broadcasting it into the pool. Javier, I want everybody to hear your story. And I, I want to kind of go back to your one polar days, how you got started in the industry and kind of your journey to make it to, to 600 pools. Maybe you can share that story with us and kind of walk us through that journey to get to where you are today. So before we jump into that, you know, talk about some family dynamics first, just kind of like what my upbringing was. So I was born in El Cajon, California. My parents were first generation immigrants from Mexico. And uh, I guess they, they followed the Bible verse where it says be fruitful and multiply because they had uh, six kids. And so um, I've got uh, three sisters and two brothers, and we're all pretty tight in age there. As I look back in life, you know, I remember having feelings of kind of like maybe some inferiority because uh, my brothers and sisters were like really smart. And so um, my older brother, who's two years older, it was going to San Diego State and got a mechanical engineering degree. And my sister, who's 11 months older, was getting a degree from ITT Technical. Then there was myself. And really, I was a C student. Um, I speak, I'm fluent in Spanish. I got a B in Spanish. Which was great because, again, being a C average student, that was pretty, pretty awesome for me. And my younger brother, you know, who's a year younger, he was the high school valedictorian, uh, went to Stanford on scholarships. And, and when I look back at that time frame, like being in high school and, you know, oh, you know, your brother Ed's doing this and Sylvie's doing that and Victor's doing this. And like, what are you doing? And it's like just partying, you know, chasing girls, I guess. That's really all I'm doing. Looking at that, I remember just feeling really like, hey, what's what's wrong with me? Like, how come I don't do well in school? And, you know, how come I don't feel like I want to go to college and I don't get good grades? What's up with this? And so in looking back, one of the things is I've always worked hard. And my first job was at 14. I worked for an auto electric company. Our father actually died when I was 13 in 1981. And so my mother had to bring all six kids up. And so, you know, you know, if you talk about driving a work ethic into you and just, hey, there, you can't F around here, you know, you got to, you know, don't get in trouble and this and that. So, so she kept us all in line. 
my first job was a helper at a mechanic shop at a place called Herman's Auto Electric. My first day on the job, my mom drops me off and uh, the owner says, hey, so what do you want to do first? And at 14, I say, hey, whatever needs to be done. And he says, did you hear what this guy just said? Like, who the hell says that, you know? So to me, that was just like a, a natural thing. So I worked for, with him for a couple of years while I was going through high school. And after about two and a half years or so working for him, I was rebuilding starters and alternators every day. So now after school, I'd, I'd get dropped off. Then I'd take a bunch of old starters or alternators, whatever I was working on that day and get them all cleaned up and turn the rotors and put new brushes on and paint all the housings and whatnot and bench test them and put them up on the shelf because he was like selling used starters and alternators. Once I got a driver's license and all that stuff, and then graduate high school. And that's about the time I got in the pool business. And I was 17 and I found this job ad for a pool cleaning company. And uh, I go, all right. So we checked it out and uh, literally knocked on the guy's door. Wasn't there. Okay, I'm, I'm out of here. And the guy pulls up in a pool truck. Hey, are you here for the job? Yep. Can you start tomorrow? <laughs> yeah, I guess. And so that was really, you know, how we got started. And so I worked uh, for this company for two and a half years. Then when I was 21, he said, my boss said, hey, look, I'm going to get out of the business. He had like five routes at the time. And the last year I worked for him, I actually worked in the office doing the billing, which was something that I completely hated because, you know, again, as I look back on my personality, I was just, I couldn't sit still. I, was, I don't know if I'm ADD or what, but I didn't like working in the office. I liked the pace of working out in the field, but I had run all his routes. He used to change routes every six months. So I would, uh, I was the only one that was still left that knew all the routes. So he said, look, if you help me sell these routes, I will sell you a route on time. And so, um, you know, as the buyers came in, okay, you're going to ride with Javier. I showed him the routes and the ins and outs and he was able to sell his business. And then once that all got done, he said, okay, you know, I'm going to keep my word. And, you know, I, of course, I pieced out the, the best, most convenient pools around my vicinity. The route, what I paid for it was like $23,000. I mean, at 20 years old or 21, I didn't have $23,000 just laying around. And uh, he offered to sell it to me in over five years. And I said, look, uh, you know what? Uh, I don't want to owe you for five years. Why don't we do it like two years? And so I just busted ass and just was making that payment every month and uh, got it all paid up. And then I thought to myself, you know, and watching my boss, man, what a pain in the ass it is to have people working for, you know, they don't show up or they do bad work. Or So in my business, my plan is to just do it myself. I can have control over what time I start, what time I stop. You know, I, I've got control over the quality and I don't got to deal with employees and none of that stuff. And that was my plan. And that lasted about 10 months before I hired my first person. One of the things I talk about is like, even to this day, when we get a new account, it's a rush. And so when you get that new account, okay, now I got a new employee. Now you can take on more business. And then you just kind of keep repeating. And I tell you, the road from there to here was not an easy one. And it's just every year is just especially in the summertime, it's just filled with challenges and you don't know what's going to get thrown at you. So I did that and I just kind of started building things up. But one of the things is I've always enjoyed the pool business. I've always enjoyed like going to the Western Pool and Spa Show and, and going to all these different classes. And I joined IPSA right away. And so I just was like a sponge. I just love learning things. Then um, probably 94 or something like that, Got an opportunity to bid on a bunch of commercial properties. Now, back in those days, keep in mind, I was doing a lot more commercial work. I remember getting called into an office for a property manager that we had just done some work for. 
and, uh, you know, sit at the big table and the guy says, Hey, you know, we want to throw 10 properties your way. Can you handle it? And it's like, yeah, of course I can. What are you talking about? And so we took those accounts on. I was like, Oh shit. Now what do we do? And so we had to kind of all scramble and, and got those accounts on our system. And, and we, we still service those accounts to this day. This is a great management company, but. After that first recession, like in 08, we noticed that like we we're really getting beat up on pricing. And so, again, on the commercial side, we have like 50 commercial properties that we deal with right now. And they're all great, great clients. I can't say that's the case on all commercial stuff. And so we were getting lowballed on a lot of stuff because in those days, in 2008, you know, the work was drying up and builders are now not building pools. They're now remodeling pools. Remodelers are not remodeling. They're now servicing pools. So you got more people, you know, fight for the same, you know, slice of pie and uh, not enough work to go around. So the only way people were getting jobs was to undercut their competitors. And so while we're getting undercut, you know, we get a phone call like, hey, um, we really love what you guys do and you guys are great and all that. But the owner over here is asking us to get pricing and we're getting pricing that's like 30% less than what you're offering. Can you drop your price? And like, no, we're not going to drop our price. I mean, good God. I mean, we're not, not, it's not like we're making millions of dollars here. We're just making it here. So I remember talking to my service manager, Rocky, and said, look, man, the writing on the wall is just the shit's hitting the fan and we're going to be losing a lot of business. What do we want to do? And he says, look, man, we've been working really hard to be the best and be professional. And we can't do that if we're like the low price leaders. So we just kind of tighten the belt and we go, we're going to lose some business and that's okay. And so we lost a ton of commercial accounts, probably like within a year, about the equivalent of about 100 stops per week. You know, a lot of commercial stuff twice a week. So we lost a ton of commercial stuff back at the time. But the other dynamic that was happening is we were getting referred into some really nice residential neighborhoods. And so as we started accepting those contracts, it's like, hey, this is a really nice pool. I mean, look at this. I mean, I don't think the recession rolled through some neighborhoods of San Diego that were pretty affluent. And so we, we started dealing with just a different client. And so what we learned was that that client, they want to deal with someone that's going to answer the phone when they call. They want to deal with someone that's going to be responsive to their needs. They want to deal with someone that's going to be fair with them and knowledgeable and the whole thing. So we had all these skills and we were able to kind of just transfer all those to this new type of client. That worked out really well. And of course, we got a lot more referrals. And now I would say we're at least 80% commercial or residential versus commercial. But I tell you, from a cash flow standpoint, it's great because we have a lot of people on a recurring credit card. So we do our billing at the first of the month and run that card. And all of a sudden, you know, you're pretty much paid up for the month versus, you know, sending an invoice, waiting 30, 60, 90 days and all that stuff. And that's kind of where we are now. So uh, right now, our focus is residential. Yes, we'll take on a new commercial account if the price is right. And we don't price those cheap at all because we know that's going to come with all the emergency calls and all the health department visits and all those things. We really just don't want those headaches right now. And so that's kind of our, our main focus right now. And our philosophy is like, look, we can't service everybody's pool. I think there's upwards of... 250,000 pools in San Diego. And, and I tell you, we don't want to, nor do we have the ability to service all of them. You know, it'd be nice to get up to a thousand or something like that. So as, as the calls come in, you, we have to kind of cherry pick, is this going to be a good client for us? Are they going to be, are we going to be good for them? And that kind of puts us in a good spot because now we don't have to 
wait for the phone to ring. You know, as I mentioned before, we, we turn down more business than we can accept because we just can't be all things to all people. We're, we're Monday through Friday, eight to five. I want everybody in my company to have their weekends off. And uh, when they're interviewing with us, oh, no, no, you get your weekends off. And like, we've had some people work for us. Like, I've never been able to have weekends off. I had this one kid working for us a while ago that used to work at Denny's uh, making pancakes. And when I told him he never had to work weekends again, he's all like, you know what, man, all these years I've been making pancakes for other people's kids. Now I can finally make pancakes for my own kids. It's like, wow, that's pretty cool. I mean, talk about a benefit and a perk. When you hear stories like that, it's like, look, uh, yeah, we all can go out and clean a bunch of pools and we can all be badasses and the whole thing. But really, that's not what counts in life. You know, what counts in life is your quality of life, you know, your relationship with your family, your friends, you know, your hobbies. And uh, I like to know that whatever interest our employees have, that they have the wherewithal and time to enjoy their life. Because come Monday morning, eight o'clock, man, you're mine. I'm going to get my pound of flesh out of you guys till Friday at five and then go do your own thing. And I think people appreciate that. But also, too, we're not trying to chase every Tom, Dick and Harry that calls us. That's kind of how we've kind of evolved. As I mentioned before, the road to get here was pretty rough. And I know um, in listening to you guys' podcast, you know, a lot of the business things that you guys preach, I mean, 100% everything you guys have said is like, yes, I agree with that. Yes, I agree with that, too. And then looking back, you know, when you start a business at 21 years old, I really didn't know shit from Shinola. I, I knew how to clean a pool really good. And I was ambitious to learn, learn repairs. And I learned them. You know, a lot of times the hard way, but I learned them and I had to learn later in life how to be a businessman and really look at numbers and the whole thing. And I tell you, when you're working hard and you're going 24 seven and, uh, you know, you have plenty of work and you're jamming and a lot of people listen right now, I'm sure that's how they're working right now. There's nothing wrong with that. But uh, you get to a point, it's like you can't watch everything because you're, you're so in the weeds of what you're doing. You're not watching everything. And so um, you have to really mind your business, you have to mind your office and make sure that, hey, like question number one, am I making money? You know, question number two, am I collecting the money? What are my receivables look like? And so when you're 21 years old or 22 and you have a mullet and you're cleaning pools seven days a week because it's the greatest thing on the planet, you lose sight of that. You learn real fast, especially when you have employees. If you don't collect that money, you can't pay your bills, you can't pay your taxes, you can't pay your work comp insurance. And I tell you, there's a lot of times like, how the hell are we going to do this? And I'm sure a lot of new businesses know that there's a lot of times that I didn't pay myself, not because any cynical reasons, there's just no cash to pay myself. And I'm looking at my receivables and it's like, wow, those are looking pretty good. But, you know, that don't mean crap until it hits the bank, you know, because you can't do anything until you collect that. So I've had to kind of learn, you know, kind of backwards how to be a businessman second after being a technician first. And so now, like, if we fast forward to today, I'm pretty fanatical about, you know, looking at graphs. I like to look at graphs because when I look at spreadsheets, it might as well be Greek. I lose focus. I just can't follow it. But I've learned to kind of take our P&L and pick it apart because we code things by departments. Like, is this a, a pool cleaning? Is this a repair? Is this a remodel? Is this a expense for the chemical expenses? You know, so we break everything down. And so I've just learned to take those and extract that information and put it in a graph. I'm sure what you guys are doing with the university, I'm sure you guys got something like that. There was nothing like that for me. I had to kind of force myself to learn how to do that to where I can look at financials in a way that I could understand it. What you guys are doing right now, 
I'm sure the people that are listening and the people that are going through the program, you know, appreciate what you guys do because you guys are teaching people how to be business people. And uh, what you guys are doing is you're going to be saving people a lot of headaches because all the mistakes you guys talk about, I've probably made all of them. Probably a lot of new ones you guys haven't even thought of either. As I said, it just has not been a easy road. But, you know, the one thing that I think I've just always had is just that toughness. Now, were there times I wanted to quit? Absolutely. And, you know, I was talking to someone just in conversation. I go, hey, man, do you know how many times I've wanted to quit this business since I started it? And I don't know, like twice? No, like 200 times, man. Like this is, this is hard, <laughs> hard ass work. And sometimes like, what the hell am I doing here? You know, the dream has got to be bigger than the problems, than the short-term pain you're going through. And for me, as I look back, the dream has always been bigger. And sometimes I didn't know what that dream was, but I knew that, hey, I'm just always improving what we're doing and just have that mental toughness, that intestinal fortitude that, you know, yeah, you know, um, a guy just quit. Okay, we're doing pools today. Let's go. And also to being surrounded by people that are the same. The guys that work for us are just ass busting guys. We, we did through a lot of people, of course, and not everybody has got the ingredients to work with us. I know I've got a great support and I think they feel supported that, you know, I'm in there doing whatever I got to do, you know, to get through whatever we got going on. We have a high level of trust. And in our business, I've got maybe th three people, four with myself that have been with the company over 20 years. And I've got maybe another five people that have been with us over 10 years. Sometimes when somebody leaves, it's like, oh man, it's like, God, we got a lot of turnover and, and, and you focus on that. Like, why can't people stick around like on the service side? And then you look around, it's like, look, you idiot. Look at all these freaking badasses you have working for you that uh, have been around a long time. Like, that's rare. And, uh, you know, focus on them. And, you know, so that's kind of where we are and kind of how I got started. Zach, I don't know if to you, but he's hit on a, a couple of points and a, even a couple of things here and talking about it that, you know, how many times you you feel like sometimes you want to quit whatever it is that you're doing, but the dream has to be bigger than than what you want to do. That one kind of hit home with me, Zach. Sometimes get into it and, and you kind of have to readjust and you have to make changes and you have to, you know, kind of come back down again and refocus and yeah, a lot 100%. of great. And, you know. You talk about having that feeling of like, oh, man, is it worth it? Should we just quit? Should we just give up? And like you're saying, like you build a team around you and these this team is there with you. Right. So if you you can't just give up because in essence, you're giving up on them and they're there because they buy into the dream. They want to make it work. So that's kind of what reinvigorates me or gets me remotivated when I start having those feelings. Another thing, too, you think about how many people depend on you. And so like if we have an outing where let's say we do a barbecue or something along those lines and you get all the people together and their families, you know, I think an average person will just, you know, enjoy the barbecue. I look at everyone. I go, that guy's got three kids and a wife. This guy's got a dog. This person has got two kids. This one's got one kid. This one's got that. And you start adding up. And the last time I did that, it's like, holy shit, there's like 90 people to depend on this company. 90 people on this little pool company in San Diego that depend on this company for their lives. It's like, shit, talk about a little bit of pressure, you know? Not only do you owe it to yourself, your family, your employees, but their families. 
you know, which is why if, if we've got an employee that, that is just not cutting it, dude, the, he is ruining it for everybody. And you got to take it serious. I have a whole bunch of questions that I, that I want to ask Javier. Let's do this. Let's take a word from our sponsors. And when we come back, Javier, I got a couple questions for you. Sure. The SPPA is dedicated to the niche general liability insurance needs of pool and spa professionals. As industry leaders, we'll fight for you, protect you, and be there for you. We provide extraordinary service before and after the membership and insurance is in effect. Insured members of the program get the best customer support and have peace of mind that their alliance is their voice and always fighting for their program and insurance needs. We proudly insure thousands of pool and spa professionals across the United States. With over 30 years encompassing the pool and spa industry, we know the needs of pool and spa professionals. Through the SPPA program, there are three tailored and customized general liability insurance options to pick from. For more information on our programs and insurance options, visit our site at www.thesppa.com. The sound of you continually pitching pool care poles into the trash. The sound of you using an Ultimate Pool Tools carbon fiber pool care pole for years to come. Go to ultimatepooltools.com or Instagram at ultimatepooltools. Do you know the actual cost of the pool service you provide or the financial health of your pool business? If you don't, it can put you out of business. Pool Nation has created a business training that focuses on the financial side of your business. What we've done, guys, is we've put a training class together that focuses on five metrics that we've created. The goal is you do it, and by the time that you're done with the class, you have all those numbers, you have all that data. It is the only course that as you enter your data into our exclusive software, it will tell you how much money you are making or losing. It's that simple. We talk about the metrics. We talk about insurance, what to look for. We talk about billing software. By the time you are done with the training, you will know your exact cost to service a pool, fixed cost of cleaning, your average profit per pool, your average monthly rate, repair profits and profit percentage, and how much money you are actually making. And we have had people that have taken the class and had some cash flow issues and they've made some adjustments with their billing software and that's kind of solved that issue. During the training utilizing our software, you will create your business profit and loss. Once you create your P&L, we will cover the fundamentals of the P&L and how important it is to the success of your business. For more information and the next training dates, visit www.poolnation.online. It's not about how much money you make. It's about how much money you get to keep. For more training dates, go to www.poolnation.online. Hey guys, welcome back to the Pool Nation podcast. We're talking to Javier Payan from Payan Pool Service out in San Diego, California and his journey to 600, actually 630 pools. Javier, let me ask you this, because it's a big journey going straight out of high school to doing pools. And then from there, realizing that you're going to do it on your own, then you say you're going to bring people on to work with you and stuff like that. We all know how difficult that process is to bring people to work for you and, and that whole learning process. And I was able to fortunately learn a lot of that through when I was in hotels and management, but you didn't have that because you've had this business since you came straight out of high school. So 
at what point did you realize, okay, I need to have people working for me, but I also need to have processes in place. And now I can't do everything, but I have to rely on other people. You know, how did you learn that? And how did you transition that into your business without having, like in my experience that I had other people teaching me? Man, I wish I had like a, the magic answer. Um, I think I just faked it till I made it. And uh, I, I remember that um, when I worked for my old boss, he used to say, hey, be professional, you know, act professional. And that really resonated with me. It's like, wow, like be professional. Okay. You know, I always took that pretty seriously. So when I started my business, I go, I'm going to be professional and I'm going to, you know, and back in those days, I'm going to type my contracts, you know. You know, just everything I did, I always try to do professional. Like, for example, when I would go um, clean a filter, I looked at it like, okay, most people just go and clean the filter. Great. Okay. But what about the equipment room and all that crap out there? Why don't we get that cleaned up? And, you know, and I would take a WD-40, I'd spray the tops of the filters and clean them all down. And, you know, and it's like, now that looks professional. That looks like somebody cleaned the filter. So what I would preach to our guys is like, look, people don't know if the inside of the filter is clean. So if we're sending them a bill for this, they need to see that. So do the outside too. Make it look like someone gave a crap and take it to that next level. I've always looked at, at things that way, more so like not accepting how things are, but how things should be. That was a uh, big thing that, that just always resonated with me. And really just kind of just learning as you go. I mean, there was no... Uh, secret. I joked with uh, Dave Haas about this because I did hear him speak at the Ipsa Tabletop way, way back today. We're probably going back at least 25 years. And so he kind of painted a picture of how things could be, you know, in his business, how his operation was. And quite frankly, in the San Diego market, I just didn't have anybody that was like a role model that I could go, yeah, I want to be like that guy. It, the role models were pretty much outside my region. And I've got a really good relationship with David Haas right now. We're, we're good friends. And I kind of joke with him. I go, I give you a lot of credit for inspiring me back in the day. And he said, I think you're the only one that listened because I give him that same class to a lot of people and all over the country. And I don't see a lot of people really applying those. So, so that was kind of a pivotal point because it's like, look, this is how it can be. And this is someone else who's doing it. And of course, you know, we would run into each other, you know, at the trade shows and that type of stuff. So you're always kind of checking yourself. And really, it's looking outside your region for examples of, of how, um, how to do things. I have a question, Javier, and I want to kind of back up even further towards the beginning. And you had talked about how when you transitioned to take over the pools, you know, your thought process was really, I don't want employees. I don't want the headaches. I want that control. But then if I remember correctly, you said about 10 months later, you got your first employee. Is that correct? Yes. So my question is, what changed your mind at that point? And what made you go from that mindset of like, I'm going to keep the control here to, oh, I really need this help. Because a lot of our listeners are at that point where they have the question of whether they should hire or not. In your history, you know, what kind of pushed you to make that I think it's it's the rush of getting new business, you know. As I mentioned, it's still a rush right now. And so when you get that new business, okay, shit, now I need some help, you know. Put myself in a 21, 22-year-old mentality. I didn't really have a big plan. It's like, hey, I need help. I got a guy hired and, 
he can help me with this and free me up to do that. But then what you find is once you do that, you now have capacity to take on more accounts. You have more opportunities to get that rush, you know. To me, that was that was kind of what drove everything. And back in those days, you know, when we're doing more commercial, like when you get an account, it's not like just one account. Hey, we got five properties. Can you handle these? Hey, I got three three properties over here. You can grow pretty quick. The the downside of that is that I learned uh, many times, uh, which is probably why we have our philosophy now. Is you can grow so fast that shit gets out of control real quick and it becomes unmanageable. And we've had plenty of years like that where it's like, dude, this is this is like this is out of control. And either you're in control or you're out of control. And being in control is a lot better. And so like now our philosophy is like, look, we don't need everyone's business and we don't have to go out on every single job. And and that's okay. It's like we're we're in our sweet spot. We are looking to grow this year. There's some great opportunities for us, but that was uh, really it is just that rush of getting new business. You're in a market that's pretty competitive down there with regards to a lot of people always talking about lower rates. How do you fight that? And how do you do your pitch to be able to charge more? Because you have to, because you have all this extra cost to run your business. You know, it's, I, I suppose it's like, like a mindset because in the San Diego market, and I'm sure there's a lot of markets like this. I think there's other markets. I, I envision Texas not being like this and the East Coast not being like this because there, there's a lot of really big established companies out there. But, you know, mainly out of necessity because you have to pay your bills and you have to pay your taxes and you have to pay the rent and the truck payments and the gas. And the when they raise gas a dollar a gallon, they don't give a shit what you're, you're charging. You got to adjust. And so... I think coming from not coming from the business side, it's like, hey, that means we just have to do more work. And you get to the point, it's like, no, that's that's not cool anymore. You know, let's just charge more money. And again, we got to the point where it's like, we just have to charge what it takes to run our business and to keep people employed. Really, it was just kind of just out of necessity. Now, the thing is, there's a lot of people that just are not running legit businesses. And I'll just flat out say that. And what I mean by that is that they have employees, but they treat them as independent contractors. They're doing work that requires a license, but they don't have a license. And all the things that they do to be in business, they're not doing the right thing. I mentioned before, the clients that we deal with want to deal with someone that knows what they're doing. Um, we're dealing with complex systems. We're dealing with you know multi-million dollar homes. I've got this mental image of the stereotypical pool guy. You know, maybe they're wearing flip flops. They got a surfboard in the back of their car. You know, they're maybe they're drunk. Maybe they're stoned. I don't know. They're just not dressed like you would imagine. Then you think like you see someone come to do to perform services at your house, like a heating and AC guy or a plumber or an electrician. They're in a uniform and their vehicles are marked, you know, as, as a business vehicle. They have licenses and all this stuff. And it's like, yeah, that's a business. Okay. And it's also not accepting. Okay. Well, the pool business is this way. It's just how it is. Everybody 1099s. Well, no, no, no. I, I don't want to be that. I want to be like these other companies that are put together. They're responsive. They're good at what they do. They show up when they say they're going to show up. And so what we found is that the client that we serve is expecting the same thing. And, you know, we were redoing our website years ago. I was talking to a designer and she was like um, kind of more of a established San Diego business person. 
And she was, uh, I was telling her like, yeah, well, like we have work comp and most people don't pay work comp. We have company trucks. Most people make their drivers use their own vehicles. And, and, uh, and this is what we do different. And it's like, doesn't everybody do that? Like in her mind, it was like, don't, doesn't everybody run like a respectable, honest business? I go, no, like, where have you been? Like not in this market, not in this industry. So we just, we just modeled our, ourselves after something else rather than what was already the norm or the established system or what have you. It's like, no, I don't want to be that. I want to be this. And you kind of have to have to envision it. This group I was in, a group called Vistage, we're going over the book called Blue Ocean Strategy. And it's about creating an environment where, you know, you, there's nothing but blue ocean. So the, the comparison is you're either going to be in shark infested water with chum and blood everywhere or you're going to be all alone in this blue ocean and there's nobody around you not to say that we don't have competition which of course we do and there are a lot of great companies in san diego but you know the thing is it's like we don't want to be in shark infested waters i remember putting that illustration together a long time ago and talking and having it up on the wall guys this is what we are we don't want to play the shark infested water game. That's for everybody else. They can eat themselves alive. That's fine. We're going to be over here all alone in our own world, doing our own thing, taking care of our clients as best we can. I've said a couple of times that we turn down more work than we can. And we do, especially right now with equipment shortages. And we're, we're telling people we will not go out and do equipment for people that are not our customers because we want to be able to serve our customers and keep our people employed. And that's just what we are. And we don't want to compete with the internet. We don't want to do this. And, and do we get those calls? Yeah. Hey, I can get it cheaper than that. Go right ahead. I love that. Um, that analogy about the shark infested waters, you know, us as a, as our business model and kind of what we're trying to do too, is we've always preached that there's always going to be the average There's always going to be the good. There's always going to be the great. And it's always going to be like legendary or the best you have to pick. The market's big and you can have your piece of the pie anywhere, but where do you choose to be? Where do you want to fall into? What business do you want to be a part of? That analogy is just absolutely spot on. I just love that. That kind of hit home. Next question for you, though, uh, Javier, in these crazy market conditions, have you had to make changes to your business strategy or how you do business? No two years are alike. You know, if I was to remember every single year and break down what was going on, they were all challenging and they all had their different problems and challenges that came along. The way I'd best answer this question is like 2020 threw us all for a loop. One of the really cool things that happened was prior to the pandemic hitting, I was looking at joining a buying group, um, uh, United Aqua Group. I, I just met with them in Las Vegas, and they got a really great operation. What that means, what a buying group is, is it allows you to buy direct from manufacturers. That all sounds great, but it's not like, hey, send me a pump. It's like, you want a pump? Here's the minimum. You got a $40,000 minimum for free shipping, or you want this? It's a $2,000 minimum. So, you know, last year, it's like, holy shit, now we're so used to just buying things when we need it. And keep in mind, this is pre-pandemic. So, so, all right, so let's do it. I think there's some value in it. So we looked at all the things that we're going to need, like O-rings and steel plates and tabs and heaters and whatnot. And so we bought a bunch of stuff last year and it was a big risk. You know, like this is not, that was brand new to us and not a little, a lot scary. But I tell you, we joined the group, 
And then the shit hit the fan and then we were able to order. So we were able to order tabs in bulk. So we were all set. So when that shortage hit, it didn't affect us. We were loaded up on heaters. And last year for the first time, you know, they were running out of master temps. People are starting to get a little, and we're talking like this is July, August last year. And we're looking at this palette of JXIs that we bought. Now, fast forward to this year, we were, you know, as we're getting ready to place our order, okay, what do we do last year? What are we going to buy? And then all this shit's going on. It's like we're right now, we're in a pretty good spot, but it's not like we can go buy a thousand heaters or hundreds of pumps. We're talking tens of stuff, you know? But um, it's like, okay, now all this pandemic stuff is hitting the fan. And let's just kind of reevaluate. It's like we have what we need to serve our clients based on last year's figures. So we just have to have to pre-purchase that and have it in stock and store it. And then now it's like, okay, now, and it's already happening. We're going to have people calling us from all walks of life wanting to do stuff. And we actually got a call yesterday. Hey, you know, check and see if you guys have a heater. It's like, yeah, we do. But you know, I'm sorry, sir. It's for our service customers only. Well, okay. All right. Well, I'm happy with my guy. Okay. That's great. No problem. Have a nice day. And like I said, we're not trying to be jerks about it, but our philosophy is to take care of our clients first. I mean, they come first. And, and, and as a matter of fact, we've been, one of the new things we've had to do this year is manage a backlog. And uh, we had prior two biggest months uh, last year, uh, last month and the month before. And so we, we just can't get to everything. So we're like, if they're not a service customer, they're calling, hey, look, we can't even look at what you have until after 4th of July, because we made the decision that, look, between now and 4th of July, you know, I've got all these customers that write me a check or we run their credit card every month like clockwork. And they've been doing so for years. Why are we tying up our resources and our guys to go after that, that guy that calls today because his pool's green and, and he let it go? That's not, that's not my problem. And maybe from a sales standpoint, that's not the best approach. But it's like, look, what we have is for our service customers. And if we can't get to our service customers and we're chasing other stuff, there is something brutally wrong. Everybody understands that that's the focus. We just raise rates. We have to be there to serve our clients. And, and every one of my service guys knows we raise rates, be on your best behavior, do the best job possible. We have to now deliver because everybody is going to be like really cranky. Our customers, I'm sure they're running businesses and they're running into the same issues with their businesses. And there's going to be a lot of tension this year. But it's like, look, we got to just be focused on what we're about and stick to that. Sorry, I'm over here sitting talking with my mic muted, guys. <laughs> poor, Javier, poor Javier is sitting there going like shit, man. <laughs> Javier's going, Q Edgar, Q John, Q Zach, somebody Q. He's on. Exactly. I've been talking for like the last 10 minutes and nobody's heard me. Are we still alive, right? Poor guy. <laughs> so, Javier, I want you to talk to the new pool guy out there where he's at a point where they're thinking of making, maybe making the transition like you did from pool guy to pool company with your experience and everything that you've gone through, what would be the top three things that you would tell them to focus on? It might be like four or five, but number one, take care of yourself because uh, you know, you have to go out to battle every day and, and hustle those pools and, and that's physical. And so if you're not eating right and sleeping right, 
you know, you're not putting yourself in the best position to be your best. Be profitable, manage your cash flow. I've got this saying that I heard a long time ago. It says, you know, when we all talk, oh, I build this much, you know, and, you know, I did this much. This is what our revenue was. Okay. Well, sales are for vanity. That's great. I'm happy for you. That's vanity. Your receivables are fantasy, but cash is reality. So be profitable, manage your cash flow, get paid, get your billing out on time. Next is your first hire should be someone in the office. Because if you're that one guy, even if, if you just want to stay one guy, why do you want to stay, you know, spend your weekends doing paperwork? You know, I used to think it was cool on Sunday, wake up, open all these checks and get the deposit ready. But it's like, dude, everyone else is at a ball game at the beach and whatever. And so if you can hire someone early in your journey here to run the office, let them do the billing. You can work with them. Let them do your scheduling. Let them do your repair invoicing. Let them collect the money. Let them call those customers, set your appointments, that type of stuff, because that's the stuff that is not the highest and best use of your time. You know, time is a valuable, precious commodity. And if you're out in the field and this is what you do, you're making money cleaning pools, cleaning filters, replacing pumps fixing heaters, that's where your money's at. You're just burning yourself out doing paperwork. So if you hire someone for the administration, like, okay, I put these pumps in or put this pump in, bill it out. I clean these filters, bill it out. And uh, maybe it's a part-time job for somebody, or maybe you've got somebody that uh, you have an alliance with. Maybe you can split a person and it just, you need to offload that um, as quick as possible. Then also to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Is this hard? Yeah, it's effing hard. Yeah, it is really hard. It's not for the weak. It's you got to get out and bust ass. But also, too, that that shit, I, I want to quit feeling. Yeah, you got to get comfortable with that. And you got to talk yourself off the cliff a lot of times. And then lastly, I was going to say, and not to give you guys a shameless plug, but follow the Pool Nation path, man. Like, like I said, I've been kind of getting caught up on some episodes. Dude, there's nothing that I've heard yet that I can say, oh, no, that's bullshit. You guys are just like, miles ahead. Like what you guys are doing is a really generous gift to the industry and is getting people to think about what they're doing from a business perspective, because that's not something that I did. And had you guys been around when I started, I think you guys, you know, would have really shortened my path to get to where we're at. A little more than three. Sorry. (laughs) No, no, no. That's great. That's great. Those are great points. Let Especially me ask the you one about us. One right? more question, and we're kind of getting out there. What's that, John? Especially the point about us. I like that one. <laughs> Is that your favorite one? That was my. No, I'm just kidding. It, it, they were all great points, and that's that's the truth. The struggle is real, and I keep going back. Well, I'm going to save this for my final thoughts, so I'll keep my mouth shut until then. And you know what's funny, John, is listening to his story. I kind of compare it to a lot of the things, you know, that you're talking about. And he talks about, you know, we don't want every customer. And I kind of go back to kind of what you talk about, which is, you know, I'm going to look at the account and look at why we shouldn't want the account rather than why do I want this account? Right. And talk my, you know, self out of it. And then he hits on some other strong points that talk about, you know, the profit and, and that you have to charge based on what your business needs. Forget about what everybody else is charging. If you have certain employees and you have certain expenses, you have to do the numbers and you have to figure out what that number is so that you know what it is that you need to charge. Hitting on a lot of great points right there. I did want to ask you this. 
in our, maybe it was our last podcast, John, or the one before that, that we talked about that you finished the podcast, which, which I thought was awesome. And that was, you know, one of the things that we need to do as, as owners is, is kind of figure out the areas that we're weak at and hire people that are strong, right? And that kind of complements, and I'm kind of paraphrasing John from what you said, but really kind of write down the areas that we're weak and kind of hire and find people that are strong in those areas. So Javier, would you agree with that? Is that your style? Oh, totally. Absolutely. Well, it is now. I mean, back when I was younger and I had an S on my chest, I thought I could do it all. You know, um, I really hurt myself and the business path by that. I call that a self-limiting behavior. I know like the things I suck at, you know, um, I suck at, you know, calling people to get a credit card update. You know, I hate calling people for money. I hate doing employee reviews, basically all the office things you need to do to be successful. I suck at when shit's on fire and there's a crisis, there's nobody better than me. That's, I love that. I don't know if I loved at the time, but like I excel in crisis and I know that's what I'm, what I'm great at. And uh, it's a funny story. Uh, I was uh, having lunch with Harold Evans uh, from Arenda. This is a couple of years ago. And we're at Old Town having lunch. And we're just you know, hanging out, just doing our thing. And this lady is choking about three tables from me. And I was facing her and they were facing away. And uh, it's like, holy shit, this lady's choking. I go, hey, Harold, excuse me one second. I'll be right back. I went over, did the Heimlich. She's okay. I come back. Okay, what were you saying? Like, didn't even phase me. And I've never done the Heimlich. I just reacted. When the shit's hitting the fan, I'm your guy. But like the structure stuff, all the things that an office needs to be successful is I, I, I suck at. And so what's really cool now is that Valerie, our office manager, she excels at that. She loves that. And she loves systems and processes. And so with that or other things that that are not my best skills is you hire the right people and then get the hell out of the way. Those are great points. And I think a lot of people probably aren't as comfortable either with doing certain things like sending out the credit card authorization forms and stuff like that. But guys, if there's one thing that I've taken out of, out of this podcast is, is really Javier breaking down some of those things to you know let you know that it's okay. He's been through it. He's done it. But he's evolved and he's learned along the way, you know, look at those numbers, look at those processes, put those things in place to make your business more successful and do not try to charge those cheaper rates just because everybody else is charging cheaper rates. Guys, let's take one more word from our sponsors, John, Zach, when we come back, I want to get your final thoughts. The HyperPole from Ultimate Pool Tools is a pool care pole designed by pool professionals for pool professionals, featuring precision-crafted carbon fiber and stainless steel construction. Go to ultimatepooltools.com or Instagram at ultimatepooltools. Pool pros have specific needs when it comes to general liability insurance. The SPPA program has you covered. With three tailored and customizable general liability options, SPPA makes it easy for pool pros to feel secure. Find out more and get covered at the SPPA.com. Did you know that one of the main reasons why small businesses fail is because owners are less in tune with how much revenue is generated by sales of product or services and the cost to provide this product or service? This leads to money shortfalls that can quickly put a small business out of operation. 
Do you know the actual cost of the pool service you provide or the financial health of your pool business? If you don't, it can put you out of business. Pool Nation has created a business training that focuses on the financial side of your business. It is the only course that as you enter your data into our exclusive software, it will tell you how much money you are making or losing. It's that simple. By the time you are done with the training, you will know your exact cost to service a pool, fixed cost of cleaning, your average profit per pool, your average monthly rate, repair profits and profit percentage, and how much money you are actually making. During the training utilizing our software, you will create your business profit and loss. Once you create your P&L, we will cover the fundamentals of the P&L and how important it is to the success of your business. For more information and the next training dates, visit www.poolnation.online. It's not about how much money you make. It's about how much money you get to keep. For more training dates, go to www.poolnation.online. Welcome back, everyone. We're talking to Javier Payan from Payan Pool Service out in San Diego, California, and his journey to 600 pools. I'm going to get the guy's final thoughts here. But John, before I do that, I just got a message from somebody. And I think this one is kind of really goes out to you because they're out in your area. And that is Pool Cleaning Family. And she sent a message and said, thank you, JJ Flawless Pools and Pool Nation. I'm going to give the credit to John because he's the one that's been talking about it, especially in his area. But for pushing us to charge what we are worth. The customer sent them a message and said, you are worth every penny. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled you're taking care of my pool. I think that one goes out to you, John. Nah, I think it goes out to us, but for sure. I mean, that's such a, that's awesome, right? Yeah. That's just beautiful. We talk about this all the time. We know we do this. We're crazy guys on this podcast every week. We're doing lives. We're doing websites. We're doing this. We're doing that. We're doing this. And at the end of the day, our goal is we want the industry that we put our heart, blood, sweat, tears into just to be a better one. And in order to do that, we have to excel and we have to lift everybody up or try to lift everybody up so that we can be more respected as an industry. And part of doing that is understanding what you're worth and getting paid for what you're worth. Because I don't care whoever you are, it doesn't matter. You can be the greatest pool service company in the world or the greatest electrician, the greatest plumber. If you're dirt cheap, money is, it, people equate value with cost. If you can deliver that value, then you're worth it. But if you're, if you're still a $5 pool guy or whatever, you know, it doesn't matter how great you are. It automatically people stereotype. It. Definitely very exciting. Zach, let me get your final thoughts. I think there's a lot of our listeners that could really relate because this story goes from being small in the very beginning to, you know, ending up being a big company, that entire journey. And we're at the, you know, point in the journey that I can really relate to is looking at the other trades and seeing how professional they can be. And I know there's bad apples in all different industries, but I always looked at the other trades in the same same way you did as, you know, they're they have license numbers, they have graphics they have these really nice like mechanical uniforms and here we are we're technicians right we're providing a very technical service um, we should dress the part and that's what we've strived to do here at the pool boys is we want to look professional we want to present professional uh, we want to 
pay our people better. We want to train them better. And like you were saying, that's almost the harder route, right? Because doing things by the book and being legitimate has a lot of costs associated with it that these these other not so professional people kind of fly under the radar. But I think the more people that you know see this and see that it can be done the hard way and the right way, uh, the more people we can kind of get to buy into that and pursue that path, it's just going to change our industry for the better. And that's what I feel like we're transitioning. I talk about it all the time. The industry is changing. The industry is transitioning. And that's what I'm really feeling. We're in that moment in time where more and more people are starting to follow that path. Anyways, Javier, thank you for sharing your story. Again, I love hearing everyone's journey because everyone's everyone's story is you know, their journey is so different, but so similar in so many ways. And it's, you can sit back and hear a lot of common or very similar themes or pieces of advice that ended up resulting in success. So again, thank you for your time. I really appreciate yeah, you. you bet. John, final thoughts. Well, um, I, I keep going back to, and I'm, and I'm chuckling inside when Javier was talking about the struggle, right? And we say it all the time where you know, some days you just, you absolutely hate what you do and you're at your wits ends and you're figuring out, you know, you're, you're literally questioning your life's choices and wondering why did I get myself into this or why am I doing this? And what's important is, and obviously we're still here and cause I think entrepreneurs and small business owners that are successful are built, just built a little different, right? You got to be a little crazy to start your own business cause it's scary. You know, it's, it's not a, the comfort zone. It's not, it's not the easy way through it. And if there was somebody up there and there was a big video game and they were looking down at us, right? We're the, or at least me and mama sometimes too. Now, as she's been in the business for much longer now, it's like, I'm the bipolar one, right? Where one day I'm just like, yeah, everything's great. Everything's going smooth. Everything's fine. And, and then all of a sudden something happens or whatever. And the next day you're just like, Oh my God, why am I doing this? Or, everything's going to shit right now. And my job is to just put out fires and kind of like wrangle everybody together. And how is this still working? And I get it, man. It, it's really tough. It really, really is. And it goes back to kind of what we've talked about before. And like just the last podcast and what you've been touching on too, Javier, in order to be successful at what you do, right? And it's that strength-based leadership or management. It's focusing on what your strengths are and doing really good at that. And it's identifying where your opportunities are and finding people that you can fill that can help fill in those voids for you. I think every small owner's or small business owner's journey Everything we've kind of talked about in the past, everything you've gone through, Javier, everything, all the people we've brought on before, they've all experienced it. And if you go back and you look at your story or how your growth and how you got to where you're at, you can start thinking about the things that we're saying and start identifying them, how that happened or how that, oh, I get that or, oh, that makes sense now. And what I'm trying to get at is, you need to be able to identify why things are going well and why things are going bad in your business. And if you can identify those things that are going, how it's going well and why they went well, then you're able to do what? You're able to replicate it so you can replicate that outcome in the future. 
And if you understand the things that didn't go well and why they happened that way and truly understand why it didn't happen that way or why it went bad, then you're able to prevent those issues or those roadblocks or those closed doors or whatever in the future. And that is what is, I think, is just like the key. Listening to your story, Javier, I want to thank you for jumping on and, and doing this podcast with us. I don't think we can get enough of these stories, actually, as an industry, because, you know, somebody out there needs to hear this, that, you know, you can come from literally nothing and you can build something that is just amazing and be as successful as you are. And there was a note, one last thing I just want to, I trip out on these little things and just kind of sticks in my head. And I heard when you said, when you pulled up to that place and the guy says, you're ready to start, right? And you jumped right in and start doing pulls. Could you even imagine how that person, that thing he said, being there at that time and jumping in there and thinking how crazy and stupid that was or whatever, how it changed your life, right? And how it changed your family's lives and those 90 people that depend on you. And you're doing what you're doing. I mean, I just think it's just crazy. And it's just, you can't take anything for granted in this world. Everything has a reason and everything happens for, there's a meaning to it. And if you take it seriously and you just don't blow little things off like that, I mean, who knows where your life, who, where your life will go. Thank you for, uh, for sharing your story, Javier. I think it was a great one. I look forward to being able to talk to you in the future, shooting the shit, talking shop, seeing you grow. Guys, my final thoughts is I, I love this story. I'm going to tell you why. And that is because we don't hear a lot of the stories. John, we did hear one on Wednesday and we were kind of super excited about it when we were talking to Staukio and he's been doing this for 25 years and he wouldn't do anything else. And it was genuine. It was from the heart. That's what he enjoys doing. And it's kind of like the same thing we do, that this is really what we enjoy doing. But we have Javier's story coming out of high school. And this is kind of what he's done his entire life. Not only has he done it his entire life, he's not a guy just doing, you know, 150 pools with one guy or whatever. He's got 600 pools. He's got a well-oiled machine. And he's had to learn all of this himself along the way. And then I'm going to go back to the same thing is that you, you talk to a lot of pool guys and they say, we can't charge this rate. We can't charge that higher rate because everybody is charging that lower rate. But you know what? When you are worth what you put in, you're able to charge those higher rates. And these are perfect examples. You talk about the San Diego market. I know tons of people in the San Diego market that tell me we can't get anything more than 95 bucks. But here we have Javier doing 600 pools and just completely thriving and having this big, huge business. So it can be done. Javier, very inspiring. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast and taking the time to share your story. I, I really hope that this story inspires a lot of the guys that are starting in the industry out there and that they understand that it's, it's not easy. It's hard work. It's like any business, but they can see that if people like you straight out of high school and have had to, you know, learn the hard way and built an empire of 600 pools. That's no easy feat. They can do it too. Just one final funny note, like the cherry on the Sunday. I mentioned early on having smart brothers and sisters. And, you know, as everyone's gone through their ups and downs, every one of my brothers and sisters and even some of their kids have worked for my company. At some point in time. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. 
But let me tell you, it sounds like, you know, obviously, A, you, you've had parents that instilled that worth at ethic. Yes. Um, you can tell that they were, you know, very, you know, smart parents and you guys all have been successful and for your brothers to even be able to go to Harvard and that's no easy feat. But for you, my friend, to come straight out of high school and build a business of over 600 pools and have to manage and do all that kind of stuff. I, I think you sit up there very highly with every single one of them. Thank you. Appreciate it. Now, and, and what you guys are doing, like I said, it's just, you keep on doing what you're doing. You guys are, are just providing just a generous gift to the industry, man. We definitely, definitely appreciate it. Sure. Thank you. Zach, John, as usual, thank you for your time. I really appreciate that. And guys listening, we'll talk to you next week. Bye, guys. See you guys Take care. Later. Thanks for listening to the Pool Nation podcast, a member of the Pool Nation family. You can listen to us live every Friday here at 9 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Central, and 12 noon Eastern Standard Time. You can find us at Pool Nation or PoolNationPodcast.com, on Facebook, or on Instagram at Pool.Nation. And to find more info about Pool Invoice, the billing software built specifically for the pool industry, go to PoolInvoice.com. Before you go, this is what the pool industry has been waiting for. PoolManUniversity.com. It's the first platform dedicated to learning the swimming pool service and repair industry. A pool service community where you can connect and find videos on business, service, water chemistry, and repairs. See you there at PoolManUniversity.com. Pool Nation, all rights reserved. No part of this podcast may be reproduced in a verbal or nonverbal way, may not be distributed. It may not be distributed in any social media platforms or transmitted in any other forms or any other means, including recording or other electronic or mechanical methods without the prior written permission of Pool Nation.